Well, good afternoon and welcome to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, joined today by John Fraser, a former evangelical free. Uh, his journey is from inner varsity press to uh, exterminator, right? InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, actually. That, that's right. That's right. <laughs> to exterminator, right. <laughs> Anytime, we, happy to talk about that journey. So, yeah, we, <laughs> we we didn't get into the extermination part on the Monday night program of the journey home, but maybe we can talk a little about it today. This is uh, deep in scripture, and we're, I see this as a continuation of our discussion on Monday night on the journey home program, in which John Fraser uh, joined me to discuss his journey home to the church. Uh, you're hearing us on EWTN radio, of course, and we're coming to you from the Coming Home Network International. And um, you know, when I think about what Paul wrote to Timothy in his second letter when he said that uh, all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work, you know, in some ways, that's really the, the theme behind the Deep in Scripture program is we, we do believe that all Scripture is inspired. Scripture is a gift that we've received by grace through the church because it was the church that the authors were all a part of the church, writing in the context of the church, and later it was the church, uh, the, the bishops in union with the Bishop of Rome, uh, that decided which books were in the New Testament, which ones are trustworthy, particularly for for liturgy was the context, which of these many books, there were hundreds of them really, in the early centuries of the church, were of value to us, that we could, when we gathered for liturgy, that could be read as a trustworthy guide of our lives. That's why we have these books. And this program is looking at the scriptures in the context, both of the letter itself that we're looking at today will be First Corinthians in the context of the New Testament of the entire Bible and in the context of sacred tradition in the church. So looking at all those things, John, I appreciate you joining us. Let me, um, just to tell the audience in case they didn't see our program on Monday night, uh, that John was raised in the American Baptist Church um, and though after a, a, a younger commitment and baptism in his early teens, and a little bit of drifting, right, John? Mm -hmm. uh, yes, there was. Yeah. Like all of us go through. Uh, you had a later deep conversion to Christ, a commitment to Christ, became, um, back in 1974, through the ministry of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, and which eventually opened your heart to become a part of InterVarsity Inter Christian Fellowship, and you mm -hmm. were on the staff. Uh, from 1978 to 1988, both as a campus minister and later as an area director. Uh, you were married in 1984, you have two children, and you were received into the church in 1992, same year I was. John. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. Uh, but your wife was a lifelong Catholic, but it wasn't just your journey, right? She That's herself correct. came to rediscover the beauty of, That's right. of the faith that she was born into. That's right. Um, you're active in parish council on the board of St. Aaron's Ministries in Rochester, New York, which is run by a good friend, David Higby. That's right, yeah. Who's been on the journey home. Uh, I've got him on, I don't think I've had him on Deep in Scripture in a long time. Need to do that. Yeah, he'd be a good one for it. Yeah, you, you, you tell him when you get home. I will. And you're very active in pro-life work, because really the pro-life issue itself was one that opened your heart to the church, the very first thing. Yes, it was, and, and very basic uh, part of that was the respect for life when it comes to the marital union of um, not abusing our bodies or abusing the bodies of unborn babies through contraception. And uh, so, yes, that was a strong draw for me in the early years. Uh, so at one point you were a gentle um, area director for InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, and now which of the many modern movies most clearly expresses your work as an exterminator. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of my favorites is anacrophobia. I don't know if you've seen that oh, one. Yeah. But <laughs> I don't want to think about it. <laughs> yes. Well, exterminators, by and large, are not portrayed well in the movies. Um, 
fact, uh, what's that one about the mouse and the cheese and the oh, string? That, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> uh, it's a name of a food. Uh, I can't think of it offhand. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's that's, that's a, a good one. Funny movie, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. So anyway, I have a lot of fun with my work. Actually, um, it's been a great combination for me of, of having my own business. I, I'm my wife answers my phones for me in the summer, but the rest of the business is me. It's just me out there, and I meet wonderful people every day of my life, and in funny circumstances, I might add. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's a lot of fun, and you know, as I look back over my ministry with InterVarsity and and now as an exterminator, as for all, all joking aside, they're really very similar work. <laughs> and I, I know it's hard to understand, but um, I find I'm doing the same things that I was doing in one place and the other. And, you know, you have to raise money for a living in some fashion. I did that in InterVarsity, and I do it now for hire. But... Um, Beyond that, it's the people I'm in contact with, and I sure. love that. And um, now I get a chance to meet people from all walks of life, all ages, in the uh, joys and the sufferings of life, and um, there's nothing yeah. like it. I love it. I was going to say, your work now is is uh, is really bringing peace and joy back into people's lives who feels that, that their homes have been invaded by yes. by demons. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, it's, it's a very emotional business. Um, you can't really reason with people when they're under infestation of some kind. And for some things, it's a health issue as well. Sure. Um, so for all those reasons, but it's the people factor more than anything else is why I'm there. Yeah, if, you've, if you've seen a few nasty spiders crawling around your bedroom, it's hard to get back to sleep once <laughs> there, you think that there was one more that's going to creep up on you. That's you know? right. And, and I find everybody's got something. It's a, a fear of something. And for some, it's ants crawling around the kitchen others it's a fear of a bee sting yeah we know of a woman that twice in three weeks went into anaphylactic shock from getting stung by um, hornets yeah that can do it and, yeah. and people can die from that right 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 the squad had to take her both times to the hospital yeah. and uh, yeah i remember years ago when i was an out order uh, man for the telephone companies back in the late 60s when the com phone company owned the phones and if you didn't play your bill somebody would come in and take that phone out of your house because it wasn't your property. And that mm -hmm. was my job that I had for the summer, and it was nasty. And I remember one particular time going into a house and pulling a phone off the wall, and when I removed the phone, I became covered with roaches <laughs> from shoulder to foot. They just came out of the wall onto me. It was horrible. And I took that phone and wrapped it up and tied it to the bumper of my truck. I would not let it in my truck. <laughs> Uh, so I, you know, I know what you're fighting against, the demons that, that you're you're fighting against. So. That's right. But those aren't the demons we're here to talk about today. We're, no, we're actually, no. you, you had said one of the threads that had brought you into the church was uh, the pro-life issues. Another was the, the meeting of your wife's Catholic family and their mm -hmm. family life was such a, an awakening to you. But another thread was the sacraments. That's right. And particularly you mentioned that being introduced by someone to the the Catholic understanding of John six mm -hmm. really kind of cracked the door for that, though at the time you weren't open to what that person was saying about John six. That's right. That right. Yeah. Yeah. I that goes back a long time now, but as we looked at that John chapter six and I got for the first time an understanding, at least a beginning understanding, of what the Catholic Church taught on that, and the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ in the sacrament, it was an eye-opener for me to understand that and to, to grasp that. Yeah. And it was, it did, as I studied that more and more, it became a, a big draw into the Church. And I, as I said this morning, it was... Um, a growing thing for me as I went yeah. and just studied more on that. And really, you were a Baptist, and then later you said you went through a lot of things, Episcopalian and then Evangelical Free. That that John 6 collection of statements by our Lord, in which he says six, seven, or eight times, you know, that the necessity of eating his body and blood to have eternal life, to be in union with him, to be in obedience to him, um, 
that how you interpret that phrase either makes sense of the whole chapter or it doesn't. Mm -hmm. And you and I both looked at that past, that whole chapter in a way that really doesn't make sense of those scriptures. And those scriptures from John 6 are really brought forward by Paul into the passage which you've chosen today, Mm -hmm. into 1 Corinthians 10, 16, um, into a different context. Mm -hmm. This is really a little bit different context, but it's an important context. What I'd like to do, we're going to focus on today on John chapter, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 10, 16, but I want to read 1 John, um, not the letter, but 1 John, I want to read um, (laughs) the whole context beginning with verse 14 through 22. Before I read that, though, John, just in general, why this passage? Well, it is certainly the communion dimension of it, receiving the body and blood of Christ. I've always, I've liked this passage. It's one that I've read many times, but have come to a deeper appreciation of, because as I think of Receiving the body of Christ or receiving the blood of Christ, it is not only the life of Christ we receive, but it's also the suffering of Christ. And suffering was another one of those strings for me that Mm. drew me into the Catholic Church. I understood and saw that early on in, in my marriage, that suffering had a completely different interpretation and understanding in the Catholic Church, and it was very attractive to me. And this passage brings that out. Uh, So that was sort of where I was going with it. All right. Let me read, uh, uh, John, I'll read from 14 through 22, and then uh, you can go ahead and start start our reflection of the passage afterwards. Mm -hmm. But again, we're we're only primarily looking at 16, right, Jen? That's what you want. That's right. But but, I want to make sure they hear the context. So Paul writes, therefore, my beloved, Shun the worship of idols. I speak as to sensible men. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all, for we all partake of the one bread. Consider the practice of Israel. Are not those who eat the sacrifices partners in the altar? What do I imply then? That food offered to idols is anything, or that an idol is anything? No, I imply that what pagan sacrifice they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be partners with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Again, that text is uh, that we're looking at, John, is the cup of blessing which we bless. Is it not a participation in the blood of Christ, the bread which we break? Is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? And that's the Revised Standard Version translation. But it begins with the context of shunning the worship of evil, of idols. Mm-hmm. Yes, right. And as I, I thought about participation. That was the word that really caught my attention, the participation in the blood of Christ, participation in the body of Christ. I thought of all of the different dimensions that our participation entails, and it certainly is all the dimensions of the life of Christ, which includes not only sustenance for us spiritually and and physically, but it's also the taking on of his suffering, and the participation of Christ, with Christ, in his sufferings. And it's, you know, not that my life has been full of sufferings that have been difficult for me to, we all have things, but that has given meaning and purpose to it. Um, Recall last year about this time, having my own business that we were going through. I was going through some transitions. Uh, I go through these every year in, a, in my business, as I'm sure you do yours. <laughs> and being a small business, and you feel the, the little blips, all that much more acutely. Yeah. And I had uh, lost a customer because of a change in contract, and 
it was uh, increasingly less and less part of my business, but it was still a pretty good part of it. And my wife and I had gone to a weekend-long retreat at a, a monastery not too far from us. And as I was thinking about things, I was fairly anxious about all the changes going on in the business. And I remember talking with one of the priests there about it. And he basically assured me with a, a number of verses, but he said, remember the, the manna in the desert, that God always provided just what was needed, when it was needed, never more, never less, but just enough. And I got thinking about that, ended up being the focus of my thinking and meditations for the weekend. And I was thinking about how God had provided manna every single day that was needed. And I was thinking, well, how does God do that for us today? And I got thinking of the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. And certainly, again, it's our sustenance, it's there, uh, communion and the spiritual significance of receiving Christ, the participation. But what about all of the myriad of things that come into our lives that are hardship every day? You know, little things. Maybe it's a pain in your shoulder. I don't know why that's on my mind today, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, or, you know, maybe it's a hardship in a relationship with somebody or, you know, there's family tragedies. There's all sorts of sufferings we can talk about. But perhaps these are manna that God sends to us, brings into our lives, if we offer to him our everything that we have and that he's bringing to us, then somehow that becomes our spiritual food. And I thought, well, God has some significance for this big change in my business coming up. And I thought, but what is it? And I, like many things, I have no idea. I have no idea what he's doing or where he's going. But I think he's allowing this to happen, to be for me, something that makes me a new person, and that he somehow is present in the middle of that. So as I thought about this passage that we just read, the particip participation in the blood of Christ and in the body of Christ, it certainly is our communion. But God wants to transform everything that comes to us if we allow him to do that, to become our spiritual food. And, and that was sort of the revelation <laughs> to me, that... Um, it's up to us to allow that to happen, but suffering can become that for us as we allow it. The, it seems to me that also behind this passage, this whole section, is Paul is on the one hand saying that uh, the worship of idols is uh, uh, groundless, mm -hmm. all right? There really are no idols. There's no God, real gods, and the worship is is nothing. Mm -hmm. And if you make the same parallel over, as if what we do through the sacraments is merely worship, then we're comparing worship that isn't true and worship that is true. But what he's also saying that actually our experience of the sacraments is a whole lot more significant than merely worship. Mm -hmm. It's participation. It's this intimate participation. And so what he then gets that is this phony worship of idols. There is a participation there, but it's not the idols. It's the demons. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a danger here that we can, on one level, not take our faith very seriously, that we need to actually recognize at the deepest level that this participation in the body, blood of Christ is what it is, and that the alternative is a blind participation mm -hmm. in evil. You know, that's behind what this, he's saying, you take this both sides seriously, uh, not both sides kind of flippantly, ah, we're not worshiping idols, I'm just worshiping God. No, it's a whole deeper. And I wonder, John, if, if sadly that because so many of our separate brethren as a result of history and, and their theological rebellion of the Reformation, who moved to seeing the participation as nothing more than symbolic, in a way, end up seeing it as nothing deeper than worship. 
Hmm. You know, I, I'm not worshiping idols, but I'm worshiping this. But it's, it is really more deeper than that. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking earlier today about how the sacraments have a way of of sinking into us and allowing their tendrils going in and, and surrounding our heart and, and and possessing us, if you will. You know, yeah. the and and that's definitely the participation aspect of what we're reading here. This this word participation, you know, I'm wondering, John, with your background, evangelical free. Do you remember what you did with this back in, in the days when you were with InterVarsity Fellowship? Well, I remember in general thinking of the communion service, which at the Evangelical Free Church was once a month, and in most of the different churches I attended were that. I didn't really understand it. I mean, I knew that it was a commandment, do this in remembrance of me, Jesus said. But I did, it didn't go beyond that for me, and Many times it was sort of, for me, a distraction, not knowing the significance beyond simply doing it. And, you know, I guess I sort of felt like there was more to it, and I'd try and figure it out, but I, I never really got to the point where I looked forward to it. And it was, I don't know. It was uh, just there, and yeah. I, I don't. It, it wasn't something that I was particularly attracted to. I'm. It was yeah. another part of things, but it. I, I saw the significance in scripture, but it, it wasn't there for me in practice. Yeah, and I I feel the same way when I try and remember, mm -hmm. you know, how I understood these passages back when I worked with young life with teenagers, or when I was doing college work myself later, mm -hmm. uh, and then when I was an evangelical pastor, how did I understand these things? Because we're looking at 1 Corinthians 10. Well, 1 Corinthians 11 is the words of con consecration. You know, mm -hmm. you know uh, Jesus, and, you know, in the night in which he betrayed, uh, took bread, and after he'd given thanks, he, he blessed it. And, you know, I remember saying that every time I did the Lord's Supper. I mean, so the, there were the words of, of institution, but what was I instituting? And it it was really a, uh, um, uh, a symbol. When I thought of participation, I always thought about it in terms of fellowship. You know, we're in a very unique way, together, remembering this, honoring our Lord, honoring his sacrifice. But yet that I believe that it was literally a sharing of our Lord Jesus. I don't know. I didn't think of it that way. Mm-hmm. Which, when you think of it, when you when you move it to a symbol, that there's a whole lot of things in the New Testament that kind of lose the power of what they meant. That's true. That's true. I remember when I was in, within a varsity still, we've been married, uh, my wife and I, for a, a couple of years, and I was asked to give a sermon at, at the Baptist church where my office was. And my wife was pregnant at the time. Actually, we had just she had just given birth recently, and we had gone through a very difficult pregnancy. Um, we never did it easy in that category. <laughs> she was in the hospital for a couple of times, and but after the baby was born, it was wonderful. And, I, and it was during this time that I was starting to learn about the sufferings of Christ are something that we can participate with Him in. It sort of started with a, we within our varsity had decided to fast together as a organization for some conference that was coming up, probably was one of the Urbana Missions Conventions. So I was leading the staff team in, in those prayers and, and in the fasting. And I had always heard from the Catholic family that my wife came from, offer it up, offer it up. And I, I thought, well, never. We can come back to that in what? a minute, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, why don't you pause? You hold that thought. I will, okay. We can come right back to that in a moment. We've got to take this break for all the Catholic radio stations around America that are broadcasting this program. This is Marcus Grodi, your host today with John Fraser. You're listening to Deep in Scripture, and you're hearing us on EWTN, your global Catholic radio network.
This Deep in Scripture radio program is produced by the Coming Home Network International, a nonprofit Catholic lay apostolate dedicated to helping Protestant clergy and laity come home to the Catholic Church. You can listen to any of our past radio programs by logging onto our website, which also offers a wealth of information on our Catholic faith, including conversion stories, an online forum, and available resources to help you to find the truth of our faith. Visit us today at www.deepinscripture.com. Get an insider's look at the latest information from EWTN. Sign up for WINGS, EWTN's weekly email newsletter. Get the latest information about live events, special features, and guests. Connect with EWTN on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Just go to EWTN.com and click on the WINGS link to sign up. Don't miss a minute of all that's happening at EWTN. Get your WINGS today. CH Resources is excited to offer you Marcus Grodi's latest book, Thoughts for the Journey Home. If you're not Catholic but are looking seriously at the Catholic Church, or if you've recently entered the Church, this book will provide you with wisdom and encouragement for the journey. And if you're a lifelong Catholic, it makes a great gift for family and friends you're hoping will come home. To order a copy, visit our website at chnetwork.org or call us at 1-800-664-5110. Don't forget to watch the Journey Home program with Marcus Grodi on EWTN. Each week, Marcus meets new guests who have journeyed to the Catholic faith from many backgrounds. Be challenged and encouraged as they witness to how their love for the truth of Jesus Christ has brought them into full communion with the Catholic Church. That's the Journey Home program on EWTN, live on Monday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, joined today by John Fraser, former Evangelical Free, who was my guest on The Journey Home this last Monday night. And I strongly encourage you to go to EWTN.com where you can um, uh, look at the show, listen to the show. You can also do that if you go to chnetwork.org, the Coming Home Network website, all kinds of good things on the Coming Home Network website, including you can go to the Deep in Scripture page and watch this show on the internet, in case you didn't realize that. John, during the break, um, you know, I want to make sure that we get our, our handles around what, I, what is your point that you want to bring out in this mm-hmm. passage, because um, you come from a background where you saw the sacraments, the Lord's Supper, as symbolic, not really a change that happens, or any of the sacraments, right? Mm-hmm, when you right. were baptized, it was just a public sign. That's right. And same thing for me. Although as a Calvinist Presbyterian, we, we kind of believe that there was something a little deeper there, but we didn't go anywhere near as where the Catholics have understood since the beginning. But in this passage, a participation in the body, participation in the blood, what are we talking about? Is it merely just coffee and donuts and we kind of share in our fellowship because we are one in the... Or is it something much deeper? And I was thinking, as you look back, let, let's take a step aside and just think about another similar issue, the issue of grace. My guess is that InterVarsity Christian Fellowship was very much about grace, mm-hmm. as, as well as the Evangelical Free Church. But how did you understand grace as you look back? Well, my understanding of it, and it was a big part of, of our ministry, I remember... Um, remember reading a book, actually, that had quite an impact on me. I forget the author, but it was called Free for the Taking, and it was about the grace of God and how that comes into our lives. But as I think back on it, what stayed with me from that was that grace was something that God gave to us to do the things we couldn't do ourselves. And it was a part of prayer, and I knew that Everything good that happened was because of God's grace, but it sort of came into my life mysteriously. Uh, It wasn't through tangible things that I knew about. So I guess thinking back on it, it was hard to describe, but I guess that's the best way I could do it. Yeah, I think when, because 
as a result of the historical development that, that happened after the Reformation, for so many, it, it the idea of grace lost its deep sacramental roots, which depended on the priesthood mm-hmm. of the church. And once you erase all that, there's no priesthood. The, the church itself is not authoritative, per se, to the individual interpretation guided by the Holy Spirit. Then grace is seen, sure, we have the, the Spirit dwelling within us, but that's not equivalent to grace. We, we, we didn't want to go there. So grace is just the help that that Holy Spirit gives us. We can't do it on our own. We're saved by grace through faith and not by our works. You know, we, we know that from Ephesians 2. So what helps us? What is the grace that helps us, opens our mind? It's, but what is it? And recently I was required to memorize the definition of grace from the Council of Trent. And so the Council of Trent in the late 1500s is responding to the Reformation and the new Protestant views of all these things. So I'm going to do the best I can to, to quote it. But John, for, to you, what does this mean? This, this is what Trent says, that grace, or particularly in this case, supernatural grace, the grace that we receive through baptism, the grace that, that enables us to be a part of the body of Christ. What Trent said that is, it is a created divine gift infused into the soul that elevates a person to a divine level through the participation of the form and life of the triune God. I mean, that's a whole lot different than you and I understood it. Yes, it is. And I see that from what you just mentioned as grace coming to us through the sacraments. And it came it comes through the very tangible things of us receiving the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ in communion, something that we can touch with our hands, with our mouth, and ingest. In the sacrament of confession, reconciliation, we receive God's forgiveness, and there are the sign of the cross, there are the absolution, all of those different things that are more than just reading on your own and hearing things in private, but with another person there's who you can reach out and touch where these things come through. And it's the hands-on, I guess, is uh, the bigger difference in that. And, you know, these aren't just nice theories to talk about. These are, are, in my experience, and I'm sure yours, life-changing things. It's, it's amazing to me to, to think about that. Mm-hmm. The, um, the word that was uh, used in this participation can also be translated as communion, mm-hmm. but the Greek word for it is a, a word that we're very familiar with, koinonia, we oh, use yeah. that very word to mean fellowship. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we call it koinonia groups. Well, that's, but again, at that level, it's assuming, well, it, we're just one in Christ. You know, we're, we're brothers and sisters, and so we see it at that level. But when you take it that level and read it back into the scriptures, it takes the depth of the meaning out of what Paul and others were talking about when they talk about anyone who is in Christ is a new creature. The old is gone. The new has come. First Corinthians 12 about, you know, some of us are eyes and feet and noses, and but we're all one body because of the Spirit. That word koinonia is also found in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. In the second, when it uses koinonia, is when he's saying that we become partakers of the divine nature. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's the word under there, partakers of the divine nature. That word in there is koinonia. So it's, we're talking about something much, much deeper. Then that makes sense of everything. When you look at First John, when he says the reason we're writing this, because we saw it and we heard it and all that, but he says, why are you doing this? Well, 
so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. The word for fellowship here, koinonia, communion, participation. We're talking about a much deeper thing than merely a sign, a symbol, a friendship. Those things are true, right? That's Paul, absolutely right. Paul yeah. says in Philippians 4 that we might have the same mind. We think that's all true. But beneath it is a sacramental reality of the participation of the very life of God that has changed us. Yes, yeah. And that is an amazing thing to be to be made into the likeness of Christ and to participate with him in the Trinity and to be a fellowship with the Trinity. It's amazing. You had mentioned suffering, and I'm wondering, once you you accept the fact that through baptism we receive this, as I mentioned from Trent, this divine gift, created gift that becomes infused into our soul that elevates us to the divine level, a divine level that Peter talks about in sec through the participation of the very life of God. So when you reflect on that, it should humble us. This isn't something that you and I, John, just did because we're so intelligent and then we decided to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. This is, this is the, everything is of God. It's a gift that changes us. And I'm wondering if, if that's what makes sense to another verse that I'm guessing, John, that as an evangelical free person, uh, you didn't have a great explanation for, but make sense of it. When Paul says in Colossians 1.24, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I complete what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is the church. That's a good description of the participation again, that when our, our suffering is seen in that light, we're with Jesus in the suffering, and first of all, we're not alone, but it's also taken on a whole different level and, and working in us and in others, a wonderful the life of Christ. I mean, this participation, I guess what I want to make sure is I know this was your point, John, is that this meaning of participation must never have been, been taken flippantly or simplistically, that it, it may be one of those concepts that uh, may take the rest of our life to truly understand and realize as we grow to understand. It, 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 isn't that what love is? Mm is a participation in God. And then as a result of that participation, we are able to participate one with another, mm-hmm. husband and wife. Mm-hmm. And that's what's behind it, it mm-hmm. a, a deeper sharing in that divine nature. Yes, yeah. Well, I was starting to say before the break about um, oh, yes. this, this thing on suffering. Um, we were fasting and praying for whatever these intentions were for uh, a conference of some kind. And I had picked up somewhere, and I think it was from the Catholic family my wife had come from, this idea of offering it up, and that somehow whatever those hardships were, the suffering that we had consciously put ourselves into, would itself be a prayer. And that's how I, I put it out to the staff. I said, let this be your prayer, the suffering itself. And I thought, Boy, that seems so right. And, uh, you know, I, I thought, I've never heard that before. And, and as I was reading at the time before I was Catholic, um, church history and, and various books, um, I was understanding that suffering indeed was could be a prayer for us. And I was giving a, a sermon, actually, at a Baptist church where my office was. The pastor was out of town for the weekend and it was just after the birth of our child, and I was talking on the whole theme of suffering. This whole thing was new to me, and I said, you know, giving birth to a child is a difficult task for any woman. I said, I haven't done it, <laughs> but I've been there, and I saw it happen, and I said, my wife Peggy had been through an awful lot of, of hardship and suffering for the last nine months, 
but you can really see the tangible results of that suffering nine months down the road and <laughs> the joy of new life, of course. And, and, and that was, I think, the, the prime example of how suffering can really have a redemptive quality in our lives. It's a great example of it. Uh, yeah, I'm always hesit- hesitant to use uh, childbirth as an example because at best I watched. Yeah, that's true. So I can't say I know how you feel because yeah. I, you know, I, I realize the reality of that. However, what I have been told is that what gets a woman through the most difficult moments of that is the light at the end of the tunnel, which is the joy of that new birth. You know, that there, there, there's a hope that one keeps lifted up that allows you to accept the participation in that great pain, which is participation. You know, you offer up the pain of, of childbirth for the pain of this world that God birthed and yet turned around and spat in his face. The pain of that. Yes. And, yeah. you know, we share in that through the sin of Adam and Eve. And so it's all offered up, and that pain is shared over and over and over and over again with every childbirth. And Jesus went through it himself. As you mentioned in the program when you quoted Mary, you know, be yes. done to me according to your will. Yeah. yeah. The um, when the uh, uh, early church, after its first mass conversion, of of uh, its first batch of converts, and uh, they had asked Peter, "What do, what do we do?" You know, and of course, repent and be baptized, all of you. And then the five thousand came and they got together and and. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostle teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching, right? To the apostles teaching and the koinonia and to the participation and to the communion. When we only see that in the context of gathered folk, we miss what we're talking about here is that what they are experiencing as the body of Christ through baptism that they are sharing together in this participation, in the breaking of the bread, in the word of Christ, yes, yeah. in the prayers. It's a much deeper sharing that they experience. Let's take another break, John, and let's when we come back, let's let's kind of wrap this up. What, what difference does it make in our lives? Okay. Okay. Sure. You're listening to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi. I'm joined today by John Fraser, former Evangelical Free. And you're hearing us on EWTN, your global Catholic radio network. EWTN.com is online with program information, the latest news, Pope Benedict XVI, plus tools for living the faith like prayers, Catholic Q&A, and other resources. Log on today to EWTN.com. The Coming Home Network International is a nonprofit Catholic lay apostolate dedicated to helping Protestant clergy and laity come home to the Catholic Church. It was founded by Marcus Grodi, the host of this program, as well as the Journey Home television program on EWTN. If you are interested in learning more about our Catholic faith, or if you know someone who is interested in becoming Catholic, please visit our website at www.chnetwork.org or contact us at 1-800-664-5110. Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, joined today by John Fraser. And we've been looking at and reflecting on 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 16. Of course, in this passage, there's lots of things, John, that we we, we didn't get to that, that didn't touch on our background, you know, that this cup of blessing which we bless. You know, how did that fit with your background as an evangelical free or intervarsity Christian fellowship? What do we mean by blessing? This cup of blessing that mm-hmm. we bless, is is it not... And the Paul in this point was saying that this is a true union in a mystical, spiritual way with the very body of Christ. Um, more than a symbol, this is deeper, it changes us. In Acts, we see it's this participation we see in all these things. Where do we go from here? What do we take from this for our lives, John? Well, I think the first thing that comes to my mind is the importance and centrality of the sacraments because the grace of God comes to us that way. It's food for the journey. It's forgiveness for our sins. It's new life in Christ. Uh, We could go on and on. And 
those are the, you know, it's got to start there. And that's where the grace of God comes and, and the life that we all aspire to. Yeah. And, and, you know, my, again, I, part of the reason for our work here with the Coming Home Network, as well as this program, is to reach out to those who are not a part of the church that are parts of traditions that basically have jettisoned the whole idea of the sacramental uh, aspect of the faith, mm-hmm. and leaving it an intellectual faith, just believe it's all of mental constructs or, or works, you change your life, so it's the ascetical practice is what I do, mm-hmm. what I believe, but the sacramental aspect emphasizes more of a passive reception of the new life that God gives us. Mm-hmm. You know, it almost takes us out of the equation. You know, mm-hmm. In other words, it's, it's not me, it's him. And didn't Paul say something like that? It's no longer I who live. That's right. But, but Christ, Christ who lives me. in me, participation, the sharing of the divine life of God. That's right. And that one passage, I can't think of where it is. I, I want to say Philippians, but where Paul says that I may know him in the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. Yeah. I'm sorry, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. And um, hey, Just reflecting on that whole statement, um, that I may know him, just that statement alone expresses that our walk with our Lord is more than the initial conversion. Yes. Uh, I mean, you talked your own journey about sometime way as a young man, you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It didn't stop there. Right. You know, it's funny. I was talking with my uh, confessor priest uh, just a week or so ago and was mentioning this verse to him. He said, you know, for all of the criticisms we get as Catholics because we don't have the quote-unquote personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He goes, look at this verse, and receiving Christ in the sacrament of the Eucharist, can it get more personal than that? Yeah. You know, <laughs> in receiving him into our lives. That's... I mean, yeah, if you take this verse that you've said, and when someone asks a Catholic, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? And we say, um, well, if you mean a participation, an intimate relationship, well, Paul says that's in the cup of blessing that we bless. That's right. Or that's the bread that we break. That is a koinonia, a communion, a participation in the very body of Christ. And then, you know, if we take the entire context and look at later in chapter 11, when he says, after he gives the, the words of institution, he said that um, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment upon himself. So the danger of not recognizing, discerning it as the body and blood of Christ. If you don't discern it, you don't participate Mm -hmm. in it. Um, If it's merely a symbol, that's what it is. You don't see the reality of it by faith. And again, as I was saying, a lot of this is a letting go of ourselves. Yes. Yeah, and I think as... We think about where do we go from here from this passage. My thought of of all of the things we've talked about that I have drawn from these passages and have benefited from, uh, at least currently. That you know, <laughs> another month it may be different, but is the area of suffering and how that can have a tremendous sacramental effect on us and on other people. Um, it's a, it has meaning. And significance because of Jesus Christ and our participation with him in his sufferings. It's um, 
you know, a lot of people undercut the the uh, the meaning of the participation that we have in the uh, the work of our Lord Jesus, because they will emphasize that Jesus is our one mediator. He's our one mediator, and therefore. Um, you know, as I stand before God, I'm saved because if he covered me with his blood, you know, that, that whole understanding of things. Our suffering, no, we don't share because Christ is the one me. He suffered for us. He won all the graces, won our life. It's him. He's complete. Of course, how do you answer Colossians 1.24? Yeah. But the thing that I wanted to point out is in 1 Timothy 2.5 is where people say, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. The one meteor, he did it all. As if we've got nothing to share with that. Mm-hmm. Except that five verses earlier, Paul says, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all men. <laughs> you see, Paul's calling for our participation. That's right, to be mediators too, on behalf of other people. We are a part of it. When Paul says, I share in his sufferings, we're a part of things. The participation in body and and blood of Christ. We we share in that. And when we receive him into our bodies, our Lord and Savior, you know, we become changed mm-hmm. because we participate. But it's not just so we can sit back and say, I have Jesus in me. It's so that we can participate in the work mm-hmm. that he's given us to do and empowered us to do. Mm-hmm. Well, John, thanks for joining us. For Thank this, you. Bringing this verse to our attention allows us a great discussion of this. I'm just curious, in case someone wants to be in touch with you and to know more about what you do, do you have a website or a place to Yes, I you? do. Actually, the, the name of my business is called Castle Guard Pest Management, and you can find the website, um, castleguardpest.com, or castleguardpest.com. All right. It. CastleGuardPest.com, and you said that you're, you've gotten some poetry you've written up there. That's that, right, yeah. It's a diverse website. It not only has my business and all the bugs you want to know about, but <laughs> it has verse that I've written myself, and it's the uh, the uh, the side of me that is the contemplative. All right. So we can hear your poems, and then we can also discover which spiders to worry about or not worry about. That's right, right and that's all there. All right, very good, John. Well, thanks so much for joining us on the program. I hope you've enjoyed it. I have very much. As much as I have here, and, and, and all of you for joining us. I hope this has been a, a, an encouragement you, to you, a challenge to you. Um, our Lord desires that we have an intimate participation with Him, and He has given that through the participation of his body and blood through baptism as a part of his church. God bless you. See you next week.